Join the conversation with Tommy Weber. Pro and college baseball coach Tommy Weber brings you cutting-edge interviews and thought-provoking commentary in a weekly podcast dedicated to baseball, sports, current events, and the world. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and TommyWeberBaseball.com. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TommyWeberBaseball. It's time to get the conversation started, so here's your host, Tommy Weber. From the Gotham Podcast Studio in the heart of downtown New York City, my hometown, this is The Conversation. I am Tommy Weber. Welcome aboard. Another great show on tap tonight. A little bit of a rant before we start. Of course, Manny Machado now signing for $300 million over 10 years. Took him a long time, and now everyone's waiting to see what happens with Bryce Harper. I think there's being there we're seeing right now a sea change in baseball, no question about it, about how players are being compensated. And I don't think it has anything to do with the players at the top. I think more than anything else, it has to do with what I'm calling the fat middle. You've got a lot of guys who historically over the last 40 years made a fortune on the wrong end of 30 who really weren't great players because guys at the top were making a lot of money. I think ownership is getting a little smarter. They're acting less like fans and more like business people. And they're not going to want to pay a guy on the wrong side of 30, $30 million. A lot of guys have had this. Guys like Todd Frazier, Jorge Posada have made a fortune. Wrong end of 30, not productive. I think that's really where the game is moving. And I know we're going to have a little labor relation issue with this as time goes on. But I think the owners are going to hold fast and wind up prevailing here. It's been a 40-year run for the players, and it is about time that things change. Moving ahead. Have a great guest today, Mitch Hillert. Pitched for me for three years, Staten Island Tide, 13-14-15. Pitched in the Irish national team. Independent ball has been pitching since he left college, has never stopped. uh, Really has uh, made a journey almost around the world. Great kid, great friend. Mitch, welcome aboard. How you doing, Tommy? I'm doing pretty good, my friend. I'm doing pretty good. I know you came armed with a bunch of questions for me, right? Yes. And we'll get to that in, in a second. But uh, I have some for you. I know people are going to be fascinated with your journey. First of all, after you leave school, essentially, a year after you leave school, mm-hmm. uh, you start this trek around the world. Yes. Um, tell me how, first and foremost, Team Ireland comes into being for you. Well, the reason I got into Team Ireland was that I was able to still play in an independent league called Empire. Mm-hmm. And through the help of uh, the owners of the league, Jerry and Eddie Gonzalez, they allowed, gave me the opportunity to keep pitching and pitching. So they built up stats for Ireland to look at. So you had a resume. Mm-hmm. I built up my resume. And then Ireland was able to look at my resume and see that I was still pitching. So once I got my European passport for Ireland and my citizenship I reached out to them and then they gave me the opportunity to pitch for Ireland in the Pool C European Qualified Championship. So basically you took the advice of someone who told you you need to just keep pitching right? Yeah. Who was that brilliant guy? Tommy Reverend. (laughs) (laughs) Well the reality is once you stop it's really hard to start again right? Because people forget you. You got to be in front of people. Once you're off the radar it's hard to get right back on the radar. It's just not easy to do. So you're right. I mean you're doing it the right way. You're you're pitching and it's it's something that you love obviously. You pitched for me for three years. Uh, Free and easy strike throwing machine. Had a lot of success in the ACBL. We had some really really good teams right? Came close a couple of times. Um, and you were an integral part of that. Uh, talk to me about your ACBL experience. 
When you think about the ACBL in those three years, give me some recollections. What was it? The the first season when I called you up, you were like, who's this guy? And then you reached- <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I would. I, I probably was that rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I, I, you reached out to Craig Everett, gave me the, the chance. Your coach at Concordia, right? Yes, Concordia Craig College, Craig Everett. Good guy who I knew forever. And yes. I, you know, when you, when you do this, as you know, summer bowl, you put a lot of stock in coaches' evaluation of players. And if yes. you know the coach, you're going to take the guy's sight unseen. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And then gave me the opportunity, threw me into the, the pack of wolves. And I <laughs> <laughs> went 5-0 and the first season. And then... You did have a great first season. Yeah. You did. I remember that. I remember how free and easy you threw until you were really... You could throw forever. But go ahead. Yeah, going. and then it started to catch up to me in the, the second and third season. I started to like tear down my body a lot because mm-hmm. uh, I, I just lost focus and like the passion for the game between school and like just everything going on between school and baseball. I just mm-hmm. like lost it a little bit. was able to finish up my degree, but it was just crazy games that we got to learn how to play at the ACBL mm-hmm. about. Just... Give me uh, give me some highlights. Give me well, what games do you remember most? Before we get into the one game that we're going to talk about that yeah. might get me arrested, but let's not <laughs> let's not get there yet. <laughs> I still want to remain a free man. Um, let, give me some recollections about some games and some incidents that might have taken place that you think are noteworthy. Uh, the first season when we were just dominant between me and both Matts Castales and Festa. We Matt just... Festa was a major league pitcher, Seattle Mariners, who's yes. been on the show, and Matt Castales is one of the toughest guys I've ever seen. You know, on a baseball field, really terrific competitor. Yeah, so it was us three throughout the week, and it was just like, oh, damn. Every batter was just, like, fearing wh- who who's coming after them next. And what was it? What game was it? I think it was uh, the the Allentown game when it was, like, seven innings. I just, like, dominated at night, and we, like, came out with the win. Miraculously, <laughs> it was a long night too because it was the doubleheader game. I think that's it was. right. That's right. It's exactly right. We came close that year too. Terrific, terrific. A lot of great stuff. Tell me about uh, Mannheim, Germany. Um, Mannheim, Germany. How does an Irishman become a uh, part of the uh, the German professional league? <laughs> um, when I was playing indie ball, I met one of the guys that was a catcher for my team for the Puerto Rico Islanders. And he told me whenever I get my European passport, get in touch with them. And once I did, he told me to come to Germany because he's been playing there for a few years. The season before, he played in Italy, and now he came back again because they want to bring back a championship to Mannheim because they're like the the Yankees of uh-huh. of German baseball. They have so you're you're kind of a throwback, right? I I talk a lot about how baseball's become commoditized. How yeah. a lot of kids now play because they want to trade baseball for something else. Whether they're young kids, they want to trade it to get on a travel team. Then they mm-hmm. want to trade it to get onto a high school team. Then they want to trade it to get a scholarship. Uh, you're a throwback because you really you really are continuing your career first and foremost because you love to pitch. Yes, right, and you want to pitch for as long as you possibly can, for as long as your left arm will let you pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about the difference that you see nowadays with such a highly regulated environment that kids play in, right? You know, always parents are always around, adults are always around, very, very regulated, very, very organized. And actually what you're doing, which is really freewheeling it across the world on this adventure. Yeah. Um, I got, when I was playing for the Irish national team and they had me as the closer slash like bridge guy to right. like get right. out of any situation. Cause, Cause you that, could throw every day, every day. And right. I had that Brooklyn attitude where, right. 
no one's getting in my way. I'm right. just going to walk. You ready right to get into a fight anytime <laughs> you want? Right, I get it. I know that. I know that feeling. Yeah. So like, I don't take anyone's anyone's crap, and I got what you call it. Uh, the strength and conditioning coach for the Irish national team. He gave me the name Free Flow. <laughs> Because <laughs> literally, I just go out there and just like it looked like it was effortless when I was doing it. Right. But you are free and easy. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. And okay. So gonna keep going. And I was just like moving the ball around like I was just playing a MLB the show. So you are now gonna, you're gonna go to Germany. Yes. Right. And then in the middle of the Germany season, you're gonna leave to go to Ireland for a right? week. For a week? No, I'm going to Bulgaria for a week. Bulgaria to play with the Irish team? Yes. Okay. Uh, then you're going to come back to Germany? Yes. Right? And then if you win, if you have, if you had won... The Pool B. Right? You'll go back to where? Either possibly stay in Ireland for the month and train there with the, the Irish national team and then right. play in Pool A. Which will be where? In Germany. Oh, so you go back to Germany. So you yes. can go Germany, Bulgaria, Ger- Germany, Bulgaria, Germany, Ireland. Yeah. Germany. Yeah. Wow. And before I go to Germany, I'm going to Ireland to visit family in Kildare. Jeez. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of Ireland. Yeah. Good for you. Um, I love it. Let's talk about the game that we're going to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, just, just so that you know... Uh, Mitch was one of the best pitchers in the league, and we were playing at Wagner High School at the time. Wagner High School is a turf field, beautiful yeah. facility that we were playing at, but it used to be like 4,000 degrees because there was no water or electricity, typical New York City facility, right? They've spent $9 million to build a field, and they don't run the electric or the water out to the field. So uh, it was a night game, right? It was a no, twilight it was, game. It was a day game. Was it a day game? Yeah, I think it was a day game. Okay. On the weekend. Okay. Uh, and Mitch is starting pitcher. So uh, there is now, baseball is now infected by this crazy jihadi, you know, pitch count, save kids' arms stuff, you know. And at the same time, guys are trying to throw the ball 105 miles an hour into a net at all these facilities. So um, I don't really know, you know, where this is all going to wash out, but the reality is there's never been any real science about how many pitches you throw and whether or not your arm's going to fall off, right? Yeah. So um, Mitch... Starts the game and he's cruising, right? You're cruising. Yeah. So after about, I would say like after about six or seven innings, yeah. you kind of come to me because you figure I'm going to do what every manager does, which is, okay, you've had enough because mm-hmm. I'm counting every pitch and you're at the 92 pitch mark and I can't let you pitch anymore. Uh, except I'm watching you pitch yeah. and you're cruising. You're throwing BP. Essentially, he really... Was, I think I was throwing a no-hitter through six or five. Yeah, it was just... but And it was even better than a no-hitter because it was early outs. Mm-hmm. You know, there would be one pitch ground ball, another pitch fly ball, three pitches, inning over like five pitches, you're off the mound. You weren't even breaking a sweat, yeah. which is really the barometer of whether or not a guy should get taken out of a game. It's how much stress you put on yourself, not necessarily how many pitches you throw. Because batting practice pitchers throw 400 pitches a day and their arm doesn't fall off. Yeah. So, exactly. so, and we're playing uh, the crazy guy who hates us. What, was, what team was that? South Jersey. Yeah. Playing South Jersey. Uh, Interesting no times love, with them. No love lost between the South Jersey and us, right? <laughs> um, so, um, Mitch comes to me and he says, he, look, and I said, how do you feel? He says, fine. I said, okay, go back out, right? So that's like the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. And he comes back in. I said, how do you feel? Fine. Okay, go back out. <laughs> he goes, ninth inning. I said, 
He goes, and he keep, you keep coming to me because you know, yeah. like you're you're hardwired to have me say that's enough. You're yeah. done, right? Because every other manager you ever played for would have said that. And I'm just not doing it because you're throwing a shutout, right? You're throwing, you have, they haven't, yeah. they haven't scored. Was, yeah. Right. Because Mejia hits the home run. I don't want to bury the lead here, but right? Anyway. So <laughs> I keep running him out. And now I see that their manager is incensed because he feels like I'm committing some kind of you know, crime because I'm letting my pitcher pitch into the ninth inning. Right? Yeah. So now, <laughs> so I take that cue and I say, okay, fine. He comes back in. And I said, how do you feel? And what do you I'm say? Like, fine. <laughs> I'm like, I'm good. It's the ninth inning. I send him back out. It's now, it's the 10th inning. He's out there. And this guy is fuming because he feels like I'm committing some you know, cardinal sin. Yeah. Like you're going to pass away on the mound if, I, if you go into the 10th mm -hmm. inning. He goes, he comes in. It's the 10th inning. And like, I, I think in the 10th inning, he doesn't even really look at me. I don't say anything. And he goes back out and you pitch the 11th inning, right? At this point, the opposing manager wants to dial 911 and call the cops. And in the bottom of the 11th. It was like we walked off the game. Mitch Mejia hits a home run yeah. over left center field fence. And we walk off. And this guy sends like a two-page email to the league. And the All craziest right. thing, though, is it was under like 126 pitches. It was, it was actually right. 126 Right. I think pitches. you had had seven innings where you pit, you had 10 or less pitches. And yeah. that's really what I was looking at. I, I knew how many pitches approximately you had thrown. I've yeah. done this before. You basically were throwing a no-hitter or a one-hitter after the seventh mm -hmm. inning. How many pitches could you have thrown? Yeah. I couldn't have been more than three or four pitches off. And the type of pitcher you are where you are just so free and easy and you throw it from kind of here. You're not really up on yeah. top of the ball too much. It really doesn't have a lot of stress on your arm. That's why, and that's why you're able to pitch and you'll be able to pitch as long as you want. But was, what was great was this guy sent like this three-page email to the league and to every other manager <laughs> notifying them that I had committed this heinous crime. And... I feel so. I'm so gratified that you're sitting here today, whatever it is, six years later. Yeah. Right. Pitching internationally, which is proof positive that there is not necessarily a connection between throwing a lot of innings once and whether or not you're going to live to fight another day. Speak to that. Speak to the fact that you throw all the time. What's your philosophy as a guy who is a pitcher, who is a professional pitcher? How do you feel about these hard, fast, you know, 20 pitches, one inning, 100 pitches, you're out of the game? How do you feel about that? Like, you got to, like, listen to your body and then work to, um, like, if you know your body's not the at 100% that day, you got to figure out how to use least, less effort and get more productive outs. But if you're feeling good that day, you can throw 150 pitches and you'd be fine. And you go max effort the whole time. It's just a matter of like what you do throughout the week to get yourself ready for that that day to throw the amount of pitches that you want to throw. That's brilliant because you're talking context. It's all yeah. about how you feel that day. Mm -hmm. It's not about necessarily charting a course for the whole season because there may be days actually if you chart that course where you shouldn't be pitching that much and yeah. you will because you're telling yourself I have to. Whereas some days like anything else – you could do more, and other days you have to do less based on how you feel. Yeah. Right? So when I kept asking you, how do you feel? Because I've had a lot of pitchers say to me, when I say, how do you feel? They say, how many pitches have I thrown? And mm -hmm. I say, well, one has nothing to do with the other because you don't know how many pitches you throw, but you do know how you feel. Right? Yeah. One, one is not contingent upon the other. Um, and as I, as I aged and played indie ball, I learned even more about how to um, – 
how to find that threshold of like what my body can do and then what what else is like in the bullpen for us to win the game. So I would go as putting in as much effort as I can to get those outs and keep moving and moving and moving and then know what guy I can rely on in the pen that can pick up pick me up at the end of the game. So you're a baseball player who is pitching. Yeah. You're not just a pitcher that gets flown in to pitch and that's it. You're cognizant mm-hmm. of where you are in the game, who you have available in the bullpen, yes. who they have, who's coming up, who you have coming up. You know, what you take the temperature of everything and then act accordingly. So yes. you're really like you're you're really a pitching coach on the mound. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great because not a lot of guys do that because guys have tunnel vision. They think I'm only supposed to pitch. Even in the big leagues, you got guys who don't care. They can't field. They're only supposed to pitch. And now with what's inevitably going to come with no D8, uh, with a DH in the National League, it may not happen this year, but eventually they're going to wipe out the DH yeah. in the National League. They're going to render pitchers even less athletic and more specialized in this age of specialization. Funny. Give me a funny story, ACBL. When you think about the ACBL, something funny. And and there's no rules here, so you could do anything you want. All right. Say um, <laughs> <laughs> the, day, the day you're going to bury a the umpire, I think it was. Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. I didn't do that. Did I? Which which umpire was that? I don't remember. You, one, of the oh, players was, to... one of the players was saying something to us, and then the umpire like, tried to intervene it with you, telling you to stay quiet. Cause and the then player... he, he told me to go F myself, yeah. that umpire. Yeah, that was a mistake on his part. Sorry. Yeah. Not sorry, really. <laughs> I remember that. That was, I think that was at Wagner as well. I yeah. thought you were going to tell the South Jersey story. I'm glad you didn't tell that one. <laughs> um, we had quite a number of incidents with them. You're listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. We'll be right back. This episode of The Conversation with Tommy Weber is brought to you by 4momalz.com. Join the fight against Alzheimer's and support our good friends, Hunter and Braden Bishop, as they bring awareness to a struggle that many families face through their charity, 4mom. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at hashtag 4mom. And for all your mortgage needs, call Northern Security Capital Corp., the New York area's most dedicated mortgage broker. If you're buying or refinancing a home, there's only one place to go. Call Northern Security Capital Corp. today at 718-273-1010. And now, back to the show. Okay, you came with questions. Yes. I know you came with questions. So... You were very, you know, conversations during the week, you said you had a lot of questions for me. So I, I guess I got to finally answer these. Yeah. Uh, will you be a big league manager for an overseas professional team? Would like I? Australia, Korea. Would Japan. I? Yeah. I, I'll listen to anybody. That's my philosophy. It doesn't cost you anything to listen. I love managing and I love coaching. Uh, I think it's something that uh, when I look back on my life, I think it's something I was supposed to do. If I never do it again, that's fine. But uh, yeah, I really do believe that that's... I was fortunate in my life that I found something I know I was supposed to do. So, yes, I would listen to anything. Okay. I know my wife would love to go overseas. So, I'd have to listen. Well, she'd actually like me to go overseas <laughs> and she would stay here. <laughs> my wife's in the studio. My beautiful wife, by the way. Um, next question. What got you into the love for baseball? Well, um, my father, you know. Like most of us, my father mm-hmm. was a player, professionally scouted, you know, so there was really not a lot of, you know, I tell people all the time, baseball is not something 
we necessarily fall in love with was sort of baptized. You know, you don't have a choice mm-hmm. but to be baptized, right? You're a baby. They throw some holy water on you. Yeah. The guy goes like this, says a prayer, and you're now a Catholic, right? We didn't have a choice. Well, I think baseball in a lot of ways, it's the same thing. You grow up in a baseball family like you did. Yes. We both come from Brooklyn. What the hell else were we going to do? <laughs> really? I wasn't going to be a violin player. I just wasn't. So in my family, it was baseball. And I, you know, I fell in love with the game. And a chance encounter meeting Mickey Mantle outside of Yankee Stadium when you're a seven-year-old wow. will make you a baseball fan and a Yankee fan for the rest of your life. Wow. That's a pretty amazing experience right there. <laughs> it, was. it was unbelievable. I can remember, I remember what he was wearing. I swear to God, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Mantle was like the, he was like 10 times Michael Jordan popularity. He was just, everybody loved Mickey Mantle. You were just looking up to him like. Oh my God. Uh, I, I was, I was, I could remember I was shaking. My father, my brother, my father and I, we were in the car. He pulls up in the car next to us. He had this uh, uh, Chrysler Imperial. I could remember it like it was yesterday. White turtleneck sweater. He looked perfect. Like he was, you know, he was my idol. He was Mickey yeah. Mantle. He was everybody's idol. And he waved to me, and I like, oh my goodness! And the Mick was my guy forever. Ever so, since then, you were yeah. like, yeah, I don't have a the choice. Second baseman, right? Right. How can we bring back Sandlot Ball? Like Oof. we've grown up on. Oh man, my Playing. heart breaks when I think about how kids are uh, not getting that experience. That's a wonderful experience. Playing, really playing, as opposed to mm-hmm. you know orchestrating and having it super organized. Um, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that that comes back. I know it comes back if the game. Uh, if the game could become a city game again, because yeah. then you're going to get kids who are more impoverished, who have parents that have better things to do than invest their entire lives in their kids' baseball career. Yeah. Uh, and that's really the only way it could be done. But as long as adults have a stranglehold on kids and where they go and when they go there, it's going to be really difficult to ever replicate that wonderful experience of going to the ballpark on your own, hanging out with your friends, being there all day long and playing all day long. Um, I hope those days are not gone, but they're not gone in places like the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. and some places in Europe where people play forever. They just go out yeah. to Sandlots and play and make their own organized games as you did. I'm we sure. did, right? Stick ball, wiffle ball, <laughs> slap ball, get five guys together, you improvise. Um, that was great. And that, I think that's the best way to learn as well. Yeah, I'm actually seeing that in, in Ireland. In the I'm field sure in Ashbourne, it's little kids growing up and like loving the game and there's actually adults like getting into it because it's just a, a fun game to like Get out of your house, go to a field, and hit some balls. Well, kids don't get out of their house anymore, so that's the first step. Fortnite. First step is you can't play baseball in your living room. It's very hard to do that, so Depends. you got to actually leave the house. Yeah, but you can do it on TV. Yeah, in a video game. In a video game. You get a- so I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Uh, growing up in Brooklyn, who's yes. your favorite player? Favorite player? Uh, say Johan Santana. Okay, pitcher. Yeah. What about player? Players, as in, what do you mean? But position player. Position player. Because managers, we don't think play, pitchers are players. We think <laughs> players are players. Oof. I say Mike Piazza. Okay. I remember Hall the, of Famer. the Dodgers game huh? with Mike Piazza hitting the, the home run. Yeah. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Pretty good player. <laughs> Pretty good catcher. And did he closed Shea Stadium? Right. He caught the ball from Tom Seaver. That should have been yeah. Gary Carter, by the way, but I don't want to get into that. One World <laughs> Series winner at pitching to another, but uh, the Mets missed the boat on that one. Uh, okay, another question. I know you got a couple more. Go ahead. Um, are they going to bring us st- statistics on how long a player takes per game? In the box, you mean? Yeah, in the box, like in general. Like, like how, how slow a guy is? Yeah. They should. They should. 
if you want to make the game faster, you got to make less money. That's really the only way to make the game faster because you got to sell less commercial time. The thing that takes the most time is commercials. Yeah. Right? I don't care. You could not have the four-pitch walk, which is absurd. That doesn't save any time. Uh, and you have to tell the umpires that they need to legislate the pace of the game more. That's another thing that we don't do. Yeah. The umpires can't do a lot because they're not that good. So one thing they can do is they can manage the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the one thing they don't do. Tell guys to speed it up. Let's go get in the box, throw the ball. You know, you call ball one. If you're pitching and I call ball one against you, you're never going to be slow again. You're going to get rid of that ball in, the, in, in, in a short period of time. And you're going to forget about it. It'll just become part of the rhythm of the game for you. Yeah. But until you do that, you'll never be able to shorten the, the time span of the what game. Was it in the ACBL, we were getting games done under two hours? Absolutely. In so, summer ball, you d- definitely do. The, no question. The 11 inning game, it was two hours and I think 30 minutes. Right. Right. Exactly. And Greg Del George was like looking at his, his watch like, is this real? This is amazing. <laughs> right. Well, when you have a pitcher who throws one pitch and gets outs and six pitches in an inning and gets outs, it's going to be pretty easy to do that. Definitely. Um, You're interviewing me now. <laughs> Go ahead. What does it take to be a champion every year in everything you do? Oh, God. Uh, what does it take to be a champion? It takes, I think it takes, um, well, because it's so rare, I think it takes the realization that it can't happen all the time. I, I don't think you can expect that. I don't think you could expect to be a champion. I think it's something you have to accept ha- that it's happening to you and let it happen. Mm-hmm. I think there's a big element of that like in all the championship teams. Yes, I really do. And and understand too that um, fate has to shine on you. You know, good things. You got to get a little lucky to win. To win and to win it all, you got to really get lucky and understand that. And that humbles you. And if you're humble, you can learn. And if you can learn, you can improve as the season goes on and get closer to that championship. So, uh, and at the end of the day. You are the reason why you can win a championship, the player, not the manager or the coaches. It's all about the players. And if you don't, if you don't feel that way, it's going to be really hard for you to manage a championship team, in my opinion. I, I agree with that. But then it, it starts at the top, that the whole vibe of the person at no the question. top. And then it goes down to the rest of no everyone's question. energy. I agree. I agree. And if, if the guy in charge looks like... If the guy in charge projects an um, image to his team that he trusts and has his players back, you got a chance. The minute the team senses that the guy in charge isn't all in with them, you're going to have some issues. You better have like a great, great team to overcome that. But the players need to know that you got them. They do. If you if you can't convey that in more than just words, you can't just say it. It's got to be in actions. Mm-hmm. I don't I think you'll lose your team. Definitely. And and it doesn't happen dramatically, but you know players, they'll just turn off to you. They will. They'll nod their heads because they got to get along, you know, like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But once you stop talking, they're gone. They're gone. Definitely like Boston this past season with Korea. Right. They bought in. They bought in. That's, you know, he's he's really good. I like him a lot because, you know, he'll punch you in the face. I like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see. What else? Playing the piano. Oh, jeez. Where'd that come from? I have to bring my uh, my gift to the world. Yes. <laughs> Where did, it, where did it come from? Yeah. I, I wanted to study music. I, I didn't touch a musical instrument until I was in my 30s. I love music. Music's a great gift. What a gift. So if I had one thing that I could do, you told me I only could do one thing, mm-hmm. the decision would be easy. It would be only music. There's nothing like music. Musicians are generous. It's, it's just like, it's a really cool vibe to be around musicians. They help you. It's not like, it's not so competitive. You know what I mean? I yeah. have a great teacher and I've learned so much. I write music. 
I never, I never knew anything about music. I could read music, write music. Now, like sometimes I'm sitting at the piano and say, "Did I actually do this?" Like, yeah, you know, I didn't know anything except just... sports my whole life. What did I know? And all of a sudden, I'm doing, I'm, I'm on. And then the Sundays with Tommy really just started as I took my phone. I would, I would record myself playing. Yeah, because I wanted to know if it sounded good, right? So then I put the thing down and I wanted to send something to my players. Yeah. So I started playing and I'm talking to my players. I thought, wow, wait, wait a minute. And then my players said, hey, this is really cool. And then my wife said, why don't you put it out on the social media stuff, which I never, ever did in my life. I never t went on social media. And now people love it. And I, I, I'm soliciting people like you and other people to send me topics because the hardest thing to do is to come up with the topic. Yeah. But the piano is just, to me, it's, it's a gift. The piano was a gift to me because music has just been, you know, one of the real blessings along with my wife in my life. Yeah, I definitely. Um, you got to pick up music. You're doing so much traveling. Get a guitar and start playing. I used to play the tuba in high school. Okay. All righty. <laughs> like and, and you could still start studying music. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed it, though, when I was playing it. Did you really? Yeah, I just had more oh, you of must a have been focus. real popular with the girls. Yeah. The girls love chicks dig tuba players. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's play a game. Let's play a game. Right. I want to I get... I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to give you, we're going to play quick pitch, which you're good at, right? You quick pitch guys, right? Because you're a cheating bastard like everybody else from Brooklyn. Uh, anyway, you got to get it done, right? So I'm going to say something and you're just going to give me your impression, right? Your first thing that comes to your mind, right? So what's the, what's the last show you binge watched? Uh, Peaky Blinders. What the hell is that? Peaky Blinders? Is that like some Irish show? Yeah. Is it? it is, is it real? <laughs> it's like, the, it is? Yeah. Um, they're a group of uh, brothers. <laughs> a group of brothers that they own drink a, and fight. No, no. They, they own a, a motor company in in uh in the UK, Irish lands. Okay, and they just like go about it, like trying to be the the top dog of the motor industry and have like so illegal it's like, stuff. It's like reality TV. No. Oh, it's it's, a it's an old time show. Okay, and they just work away. Wow. All right. Okay. What's your favorite food? Steak. All right. Okay. All right. Filet mignon. Uh, yeah. Peter Lugers. Right? What's better than Peter Lugers? I mean, come on. The greatest. Um, what's your favorite sound? Favorite sound? Ball to the mitt. I knew it. I that knew little, it. little hiss and then pop. I like that. Good for you. <laughs> that is so badass. That is really cool. That's really a cool answer. I like that. Um, so you have three dinner guests. All dead. <laughs> um... Not related to you, who would they be? Probably throwing uh start off with Bob Marley. Wow. Yeah. Wow, you Good. deep son of a gun. <laughs> uh been into JFK and reading his book. Okay. On uh let's see who else. JFK was Irish. Yes. Yes indeed. Um, one other, probably uh, Babe Ruth. Great choice, <laughs> greatest player of all time, and one of the greatest pitchers of all time, mm -hmm. right? And saved the game of baseball. Yep. Didn't get a hundred percent of the vote, which is why nobody should have ever gotten a hundred percent of the vote. I don't care who it is, including Mariano Rivera. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um. <laughs> what's your favorite movie? 
The Quiet Man? No. Goodfellas. Goodfellas. All right. An Italian movie. Irish. Well, there's an Irish movie yeah. that Jimmy Conway. Yeah. All right. <laughs> how much trouble did I give you three years? How, how many times did we get go with the Irish thing over three years? Like, was it every day, basically? Uh, about pretty, that. Pretty, every time you saw me, you always had to say something, <laughs> something about the Irish guy in Brooklyn. <laughs> how are you? How's your mom? Very good. She's Very great. Good. Your mom. Your mom is great. Great, great family. Um, Love her. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Um, when do you? What do you do? Let me. Let me ask you. What about working out? Like, what are you doing now? Staying in shape, working out. Are you doing cardio? What are you doing? Labor work, and I've been working with a um, a physical therapist slash like chiropractor to teach me how to use my body the proper way, and like teach me how to breathe through my um, lower abdomen and not just in my chest. So I'm really using my, like a singer. Uh, yeah, basically, like you're bracing your body to be able to throw the pitch as hard as you can. Really? Where's this guy? Ireland? <laughs> <laughs> Where is he? No, I've been working with them in uh, West 57th and 7th. Oh, wow. Urban Wellness Clinic. So is it like a sports specific kind of guy or is it? No, they no? just got into it with um, just helping people. They want to help people and then. Got in touch with them through my oldest brother, and we've been working together ever since. Wow! Now you also did you had a, 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 another baseball gig? You were on the grounds crew at the Brooklyn Cyclones, right? When were you there? From what was it? I think it was sixteen to seventeen. Okay. Did you now? Did you find? Like, those guys are really good at mound maintenance, right? They really are. That mound. talking about me? Yeah, no, everybody. <laughs> I mean, everybody. When, when I was there, they were like, what's his name? Uh, who's the guy in charge? Which one? There's a new guy. All right. So the old guy was the Italian guy, right? He was in charge yeah. of the whole thing. Okay. He was great, that guy. He was terrific. Good guy. I think he was a Staten Island guy. Yeah. Right? So did you did you find that being a pitch like being a pitcher, were you more vested in doing the mound? Seriously, did yeah. you really have like a whole thing about yeah. the mound? Tell me about that. Yeah, and I'll go ask the players like where they think of it. And then you'd always leave the the away bullpen mound not as like perfect as <laughs> the home mound. That's great. Gamesmanship, yeah. right? Yeah. You were trying to sabotage the other team. Yeah, that's I love it. I love it. Brooklyn. Until you make it to the bigs. Brooklyn. There yep. you go. All right. Anyway. You gotta deal with the adversity. Great, great. Well, listen. I mean, you're going to be all over the world this year. Make sure you stay in touch with me. Yes. You know, I got your back. I've watched and followed your journey the whole way. Um, I, I think what you're doing is great. Your passion for the game really is inspiring. And uh, stay healthy, have a blast, and just keep pitching, man, until you don't want to pitch anymore. Yeah, thank you. All right? Thank you for having me. Are you kidding? I love you. Anytime you need me, I'm here for you. Matt, we are going to take it away with what we always do. Freddie Mercury and Queen. We will see you next time on The Conversation. Mitch Hillert, my man, thank you very much.
Thanks for listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. Have any thoughts on today's episode? Ideas for a new one? Join the conversation on Twitter at TommyWeberBball or Instagram at TommyWeberBaseball and share your thoughts. Tommy's back next week with a new episode of The Conversation. Subscribe and listen for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Stitcher. And of course, always at TommyWeberBaseball.com. Um...